Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, the number one podcast for Coming Home Newcastle. Um, my name is Elijah Newsom. if you don't know or recognize this voice, and I am here super excited to record a podcast. This is going to be a solo effort um, of CHN Radio today. Greg is currently on holiday in Hawaii, um, and there is no one in the world that deserves a vacation more than Greg Troxel right now. So shout out to him. Maybe he'll listen to this. Maybe he won't. Maybe Christy will let him listen to this. Maybe she won't. We'll never know. Um, or maybe we will when he tells us if he listened to this. So Greg, if you're listening to this right now, uh, tweet at me um, and send a picture of like whatever your view is. I've been getting a lot of pictures, a couple pictures from Greg, and it's like... And he posted one on Instagram, maybe, or Twitter. I think it was Instagram, and then I got a picture, and it's like, and I, I got one sent to me as well by him, and I, it's hard to feel bad for Greg right now. I mean, Hawaii is gorgeous, and so if you've never been like me, um, you should find a way to get there. Um, anyway, um, that was a very long intro to say, uh, please follow us on Twitter at CHN underscore radio and be sure to follow the main account at coming home in UFC. If you want to hear any hot takes, any, uh, you know, crazy sports tweets and funny tweets, mainly making fun of how bad, uh, Atlanta sports are, uh, please follow me at Elijah underscore Newsom. There's a few of you that have given me a follow, um, since the, since this pod. And, um, if you haven't already leave us a review, a five-star review on Apple podcast. Hey guys, we are one review away from being the most, wait, how do I say this? We are one review away from having the most five-star reviews out of any Newcastle podcast. And I think that's pretty cool. So um, if you want to be the person that pushes us over that hump, gets us up to the mountaintop, please do that. And maybe uh, we can do a giveaway. I think that I think that's what we... If we get this review, I'm pretty sure we do a giveaway. I'm, I have to check with Greg on that. But yeah, so um, in today's pod... Uh, we're going to review the Chelsea match, um, which was a match. It wasn't too bad. wasn't too great. It just kind of happened. Um, so we're going to review that. Um, there's a plethora of somewhat club news to get to as well. Um, let's see. And then, um, yeah, I guess we should just get things going. Um, I guess the cool thing the not the cool thing first we should start off with um the newcastle u23s they played a match today um and they played against sunderland in the premier league uh second division or basically the the league for u23 teams and they're in the bottom division of that league so if that makes sense they're basically like the scrubs of the youth teams um and sunderland is in that league as well i guess and they played Sunderland today. So, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, basically, we scored off a penalty. Uh, I believe Luke Charman put it away. I'm going to double check, um, obviously. But I'm pretty sure Luke Charman put it away. Um, after Victor Fernandez was brought down in the box, um, if I remember correctly. Um, and the Sunderland actually had a guy sent off uh, right before halftime, which made it a 10-man a game, and then Newcastle kind of dominated the second half. Um, yeah, and it was Luke Charman who did convert the penalty. Um, so, yeah, basically Sunderland were playing man, uh, down, down a man, and Victor Fernandez scored late um, after there was a plethora of chances by Newcastle throughout the second half. Um, Charman had a, a couple chances. Um, Mosengari had a couple chances. Fernandez had a, a couple chances. Uh, Lewis Cass and Tom Allen were very involved. Um, Tom Allen's looking to be somewhat decent. Uh, Fernandez in the 72nd minute um, scored, uh, and he had just a brilliant finish. Um, roof of the net, uh, that kind of finish. So that was good. Good to hear. Um, moving on. Oh, that was. You guys heard a beer bottle fall over. So um, that's not. That's not great. Um, maybe we'll cut that out. Maybe we won't. Um, anyway, uh, so the other thing is um, that former Newcastle players, we're going to dive into a little bit of former Newcastle players. Um, we have a former Newcastle player who has been named as one of the 30 Balloon d'Or candidates um, that could potentially win the Balloon d'Or this year, obviously. If you don't know what the balloon door is, it's basically like the most, uh, let's see, uh, the most, how do I say this, uh, prestigious, I guess would be the word, the most prestigious award in all of football, uh, that and like the FIFA Men's Player of the Year, I guess. Um, but yeah, Georgina Wijnaldum uh, was named amongst... Let's see, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven Liverpool players. Uh, he was named as one of the Balloon d'Or uh, shortlist 30 guys. Um, to be fair, it's going to come down to like three guys. And if I were to give my guess for the three guys that would be finalists for Balloon d'Or, I'm going to go Van Jyke, Messi, Ronaldo. I guess I'll throw in a couple more um, just based on their impact this year. <sighs> Maybe De Jong. Uh, Maybe I'd like to see Son get like in that last couple rounds of being a Balloon d'Or finals. I don't know. I think he's just a really important player to Tottenham, and it's kind of been proven throughout the season. Um, anyway, so moving on, um, Hatem Ben Arfa is back in the news um, because he apparently could have a home soon. So um, as you may know, if you've been following this podcast for a little bit, Hatem Ben Arfa is a free agent right now. Um, he finished last season with, um, geez, Star Renee, I believe. Yeah, Stad Rene, um, and there is a League 2 club, or Ligue 2 club, uh, interested in him. It is Le Havre 
I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not saying that right, but Le Havre, Le Havre is what we're going to say. Uh, their president, Vincent Volant. I'm just, this is really bad. I'm sorry uh, for any French listeners that I'm just completely butchering your language. But um, Vincent, Vol- Vincent Volpe, who is their president, um, has basically admitted today uh, to get French to get Football News France, which is just very, it's a fun thing to say, get Football News France. I think it should be like get Football France News. Get French Football News. That GFFN makes more sense. Anyway, um, he confronted this outlet. Uh, he had kind of a, like an interview with them, and he said that they were pursuing Hatem Ben Arfa. So we'll keep you we'll keep you posted on whether or not Hatem Ben Arfa actually signs with the club this season. Um, obviously, if you know Greg and you know and you know me, we'd love for him to sign with Newcastle. But League Du is a league he would absolutely destroy at his tender young age of 32. Um, next up, we got Nottingham Forest, who were interested in Dwight Gale. Uh, that was first reported by The Athletic. Um, something to just keep tabs on. Um, I wouldn't really uh, put a lot of stock into it um, because it's still early on. I mean, championship clubs are always interested in Dwight Gale. Like, always. So, um, not a huge deal. Um, let's see, is there anything else? Uh, oh, yes, duh. Um, the Allegri group, uh, which is a group that surfaced over the summer as a potential uh, club interested in um, acquiring, a, a potential group interested in acquiring new, uh, Mike Ash. And Greg and I kind of talked about it um, earlier in the summer uh, just due to they have a wealth. They own, they own a club in Mexico. They have wealth of sorry, a ton of wealth in their ownership group. Apparently, there was a representative who met with um, Mike Ashley in London this past weekend um, per The Athletic. It did not go great, I would say, Um, but apparently, as far as anyone knows, there's no group interested in buying the club that has made a formal offer that is um, up to the par of Mike Ashley. So, um, all that to say... Um, another transfer rumor, another group linked, nothing else is happening. Here's a bit of interesting news, though, um, as we kind of round out our, our news segment here. Um, this was a piece from The Athletic um, after the U.S. men's national team um, kind of lost lost uh, in dramatic fashion to Canada, um, being the first time they've lost to Canada in a number of years. Um, Chris Waugh. Chris Woff, Chris Will, Chris Woff. I we had him on the podcast, and I still don't know how to say his name. That's bad. Hey, Chris, if you're listening, I'm sorry I can't say your name. He had a great article on DeAndre Yedlin, um, and here's just a couple uh, quotes from it. It's that kind of sparked my interest. In addition, sources in Amer- in North America feel Yedlin will actually feel liberated by joining up with Newcastle once again, free from what is an increasingly increasingly negative situation inside the USA camp, and there will be na- no hangover this time. It's not exactly a great environment around the team at the moment, said one source. It said one source. In fact, the verdict was that Yedlin would be excited to work to return to Newcastle duty following a troubling 10 days with his national team. Um, and if you don't know, uh, the U.S. men's national team, which Yedlin is obviously a part of, and another player that we'll talk about later on in this review, um, 
has not looked good. Um, they have looked good against bad teams, which is going to be good enough for them to qualify for the World Cup, you would imagine. Um, but they haven't looked particularly good against teams that they're supposed to um, be competing with in CONCACAF. And uh, it's just kind of the frustration has boiled over to a point where DeAndre Yedlin is excited about returning to a team currently sitting in 18th in the Premier League who just discovered tactics last week. So uh, that's kind of the status of that, <laughs> which is crazy. And uh, to round out the news, we have a little bit of a BS meter that kind of already was answered as the day went on. Um, Newcastle were linked to uh, Lille uh, striker Victor Osman, uh, who was recently signed from Belgium, um, who has a ton of goals this season, uh, despite being very young. I think he has eight goals on this season. I Don't fact-check me on that. But, uh, no, it's, yeah, it's eight goals and 11 appearances. Um, and he joined from Belgium for about 11 mil in the summer. Um, and Newcastle are interested in bringing him in in the, in the January transfer window. Um, before I even mention uh, all the other information I have on that, uh, when I first saw this, my initial in terms of BS meter was like a dump truck load of BS because Newcastle have already spent $40 million on a striker. And if you're going to spend more money on a striker, you're going to spend money on a proven striker that has Premier League success. So maybe a cut rate deal for Olivier Giroud or something. I don't know. Something like that. Nothing. You're not gonna. You're not gonna go splash the cash for a young French talent who may or may not be able to score at the Premier League level. Um, that being said, we quickly found out that um, this was not happening uh, because Lille are not interested in selling their leading scorer. Crazy idea there. So, um, yeah, that was a fun rendition of the BS meter. Uh, and that kind of wraps up the club news. Just to give a quick rundown, New 23s beat Sunderland today. Uh, Georgina Wijnaldum um, and Hatim Benarfa, both former Newcastle players, made the news today for completely different reasons. Uh, Jeannie was named a Balloon d'Or finalist. Hatim Benarfa linked to a League du side. Nottingham Forest are interested in Dwight Gale this January. Um, coming up in January, could he get sold? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin is a player who has is the latest to kind of speak out against the U.S. men's national team um, and kind of subtweet them, essentially saying he'd rather be in Newcastle. Um, the Allegri group, a group linked to Newcastle earlier in the year, met with Mike Ashley Day in person for what is believed to be the first time, and it believes that the meeting didn't result in anything substantial. And last but not least, Newcastle were linked to a striker from LOSC. I'm guessing, I don't know what the LOSC stands for. LOSC, Lille, um, Victor Osmian. Uh, and it doesn't look like the deal's going to happen, but Newcastle, of course, are interested, as they are always interested in any sort of young talent that's performing well. Newcastle are interested in Mbappe. Will it happen? Maybe. It's a strong maybe. Let's take a quick break. Um, I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing my voice and my um, excessive speaking. Um, so, yeah, let's take a, a quick ad break, and I'll see you after this. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, um, and we're going to review this Chelsea match, and we're going to make it a little bit fun, and we're going to focus on some of the positives that we could take away from this match, because I'm not going to lie, I didn't expect us to win, so this wasn't really all doom and gloom as it goes um, results-wise. I think 
Newcastle had a decent showing, and it reminded me of many of the 1-0 losses we had last season, which is better than having a 3-0 loss to Chelsea, or better yet, a 5-0 loss to Leicester. So, um, let's actually kick things off like we always do with every single review pod in the review segment of this pod. Let's kick things off with your three words. So, um, we had a few of you guys react. I mean, I, I think a lot of people kind of checked out um, during the match. Uh, so, Jeff Can at Jeff Can for his three words we need goals. Um, Blackie XBX, Blackie XBX at B Munch. You can follow him there. Uh, disappointed, not surprised, which is very accurate. Um, Trevor Mooney, of course, the GOAT questionnaire. Trevor Mooney at Trevor Mooney 12. Brucey still shite. Toon Army Madison, shout out to Wisconsin. Best Madison's a great college town, though. Um, this is a great one, too. At Toon Army, at Toon Army Madison, lost in London. That's good. Uh, Brian Gardner at Brian Gardner 10. Nobody got hurt, which is a fair point because Newcastle players have been getting hurt in recent matches, so that's good. So that's all we have for um, three words. Um, let's actually hop into the lineups real quick for this match. Um, Newcastle essentially trotted out the exact same lineup that they did um, last week against Manchester United uh, with Dubrovka and Goal, Jetro Willems, Karen Clark, Jamal LaSalle, Fabian Scher, and DeAndre Yedlin making up the back line. Miguel Amaron and Alan St. Maximon, or St. Gucci Max as we like to call him, providing the width, servicing Joel Linton up top with Sean Longstaff and Maddie Longstaff in the midfield. Chelsea, as expected, um, went with a lineup that didn't feature N'Golo Conte, who was injured. Um, it was interesting to see what they would do at, at center back. They went with Cesar Azepoqueleta, I cannot say his name, as um, with a backline of Cesar Azepoqueleta, Kurt Zuma, Fakayo Tomori, Marcus Alonso, with Azepoqueleta. Can they just get some people with some easy to pronounce names? Kepa was in goal. Um, Ross Barkley also uh, played in the midfield alongside Jorginho, um, who Jorginho had himself a game. Ross Barkley, not so much. Uh, Willian provided the, the width out wide. Mason Mount um, played as a cam that had a lot of uh, free will. Callum Hudson-Odoi, clearly the best player of this match, um, played out left. And Tammy Abraham was their striker up top, who had tons of chances and we'll talk about those a little bit later. So, um, pretty typical what you saw. The lineup Chelsea put out clearly better than whatever Newcastle were trotting out. Um, and that was to really be expected. Um, I mean, they spend a lot of money. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, um, let's let's actually go into the match. Um, and like I said, I don't think Newcastle looked that bad. Um, so things started off with um, pretty positively for Newcastle. Uh, St. Gucci Max had a half volley on chance. He had a, a bit of a, he had a little bit of chance. He had a half volley that he hit wide, um, really wide. He took an extra touch and tried to side foot it. Um, in this case, maybe you want to go for power. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a footballer being paid hundreds of millions of dollars. Probably not hundreds of millions, but maybe a million or two. Um, and then Chelsea started to impose their will. Um, Hudson-Odoi 
uh, had a cross to William that was headed wide in the 14th minute. And then a few minutes later, Jorginho just absolutely from the midfield. And this is a theme, we'll point this out every single time. Um, I truly believe Newcastle lost the midfield battle, but it didn't look as bad because Conte wasn't playing. But that's that's we'll talk about it in a second. Um, Jorginho was um, just dropping dimes from the midfield all match. Uh, he dropped a dime to Hudson Odoi, who laid it off for Mason Mount, who turned and fired a rocket straight at Dubrovka, which is the first save of the match. Um, later on, about the 24th, 25th minute, Miguel Amaron had an interception as Chelsea tried to play out the back, um, played it to Sean Longstaff who played it off to uh, St. Gucci Max, who curled in a cross that was a little bit ahead of Joel Linton. He barely got there and headed it wide. Many will say Joel Linton should have put that on target or should have scored. Um, my thoughts personally, like he was sprinting to get to there and he barely got his head on it. So I wouldn't put too much stock in that particular chance. Have there been chances where you want Joel Linton to score? And there are point blank chances, and you're frustrated he doesn't score. He said that he doesn't score. Yes, plenty of those um, throughout the entire season, for sure. Um, I'm gonna slow down because I feel like I'm moving them like 40 miles an hour when I'm talking, and I love to talk. So this is I just gotta slow down a little. Um, nothing else really happened uh, in that first half. Newcastle. Um, definitely were playing a bit timid, um, defending, all that kind of stuff. The tactics we're used to, um, I guess at the end, uh, Miggy did win a free kick. Um, he sold it a little bit, but I mean, it was a free kick, but he was rolling on the ground like a cockroach who'd been flipped over on its back, I guess. That was a really bad metaphor. Um, but he won a free kick. Uh, Longstaff took it. Sean Longstaff took it uh, and played it into uh, the box and Bounced around, I believe LaSalle's hit it, and eventually found its way to Cher, uh, who fired it straight at the keeper. It was eventually ruled offside. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the first half. Nothing really to write home about. Newcastle looked as expected. Chelsea had a lot of the ball, but something to note and something to note the entire game, the most dangerous chances from Chelsea really came on the counter, and uh, you kind of see that throughout the match. It was a theme that would uh, show its face um, the whole match. And um, it was interesting because it really didn't seem like they were able to create chances um, just through open play. Uh, well, I guess counter is open play, but just through by breaking down the Newcastle defense, which is a good sign for Newcastle. It means the defense is solid, everyone's got their assignments well, and it's going to be tough for a lot of teams to break it down. Um, that's only going to bode well for Newcastle as they come up against um, I mean, a plethora of opponents that may not be able to um, break that that low block down. Um, and it's going to be particularly impressive once we come up against Wolves, who um, are probably a team we're going to see, sit back against just due to their attacking talent. And we'll see if they're going to be able to work the ball around and actually create chances or if they're going to have to re rely on the counter. Um, in the second half, uh, this was the first moment that I think gave me a little bit of question about the midfield. Um, and it's nothing huge, but it's something to pay attention to. Uh, Kovacic uh, basically diced completely through the midfield. Um, there was just a miscommunication, it looked like, between Maddie and Sean, and it resulted in Sean sprinting after Kovacic. I guess one of them didn't step up to defend, um, but he 
eventually uh, sent it to Willie Ann. It somehow got it to Willie Ann, and he crossed it in. It was blocked by Kieran Clark. Um, and then a corner happened, and Tammy Abraham hit the bar after that corner. Um, in the 65th minute, we had another corner, uh, and Tammy Abraham, of course, did not score score there either. Um, in the 67th minute, uh, Willian uh, found Hudson Adoy, who had himself a match, who shot uh, the ball. It was deflected by, I believe, Jamal LaSalle's. It kind of fell to Christian Pulisic, who fired, and it just and it got saved by Martin Dubrovka. Truly a great save. One-on-one point-blank save. Um, 72nd minute, uh, Pulisic had just a wonderful uh, spell of dribbling. Dribbled the ball all the way into the box. Basically fired a, a ball across the box that honestly might have made its way all the way over to Alonzo. But hudson Adoy stopped it, um, played it to Alonzo, who had acres of space, and just fired at home um and of course the Sunderland fans who were watching celebrated as they were losing to Wickham Wanderers oh and they did lose to Wickham Wanderers that day actually uh, so um yeah shout out to Orlando Aarons who apparently played a big part in that I didn't really care enough to find out how maybe he had the game-winning goal or assist I don't know um in the 79th minute uh Tammy Abraham almost scored again uh Pulisic Literally, uh, it's actually great defending by DeAndre Yedlin more than anything else. Pulisic had the ball on the counter, again from Kovacic, I believe, and uh, laid it off to Tammy Abraham, who at the last second had his shot deflected by DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, So, you know, that was kind of one of the last events in the match. I guess the very last thing that happened in the 89th minute, Kieran Clark, uh, there was a ball swung in by Christian Atsu. Um, Karen Clark was in the area, Jamal Sells was in the area, Dwight Gale was in the area. Eventually, it ended up with Karen Clark, um, who the who headed it above and well wide of the uh, of the goal, um, and it kind of caused a little bit of tension after the match between him and Dwight Gale and Jamal Sells. It was kind of later revealed that uh, Karen Clark just believed that he was the tallest and that he could win it and try to head it down for Lascelles or Gale, and it just caught the wrong. Uh, part of his head, which if you look at the slow motion replay, it literally hit the top of his head and went and just sailed over the bar. So those are kind of the match events. Um, if you didn't watch the match, essentially Newcastle didn't look terrible. I mean, they played the game we kind of expected them to play. Uh, they, you know, sat back, allowed Chelsea to try to create chances on their own. And to be honest, Chelsea couldn't really create chances um, on their own without the counter. Um, one of the areas where Chelsea did excel, though, is in the midfield. Um, it, like, Newcastle held their own, but if N'Golo Conte was there, it would have been a different story. Uh, Kovacic and Jorginho both were kind of able to, uh, they had a lot of space and were able to play balls over the top out to Hudson Adoy, um, who DeAndre Yedlin had trouble containing uh, throughout the entire match. Um, and just like, I don't know, just playing balls to those wide positions were very easy for them. Um, Sean Longstaff and Matty Longstaff were able to contain Mason Mount, however, um, who is, of course, the in-form attacking midfielder for Chelsea. Um, But let's be real. Um, Newcastle lost 1-0 to a top-four side who was hot coming off of four straight wins. So I wouldn't say this, or four straight unbeaten, I wouldn't say this was a bad 1-0 loss. I'd say it was a calculated 1-0 loss, to say the least. And I can't even be mad at Newcastle um, for that loss. 
Um, it sucks that we even get to that point where it's like you kind of have to decide whether or not you're going to be mad at Newcastle losing. Uh, but I mean, what are you going to do? That that starting lineup is expensive, and our starting lineup is getting to that point of expensiveness. But a lot of guys haven't settled in yet, in in you know the whole nine yards. And the Newcastle made it tough for Chelsea. It wasn't a, a a walk in the park for them, and the goal they got was definitely deserved, just given the fact that they had to work so hard to get there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was a terrible performance by Newcastle, but let's get in the best and worst player. Um, I'm going to go with my worst player first, and it has nothing, again, to do with the player, more to do with the tactics. And Joel El- Joe Ellington, he just had an unlucky night, I mean, he had the one chance, but other than that, he just wasn't involved. And I think it's just more due to the tactics um, employed at hand. It looks like Steve wants him to be more of a hold-up type striker. And Joel Ellington last week against Manchester United kind of is sh- that that uh, Joel Ellington last week against Manchester United kind of demonstrated the fact that he needs to be involved in the build-up play in order for him to be as effective um, as possible. And I think that forcing him to just be a hold-up striker and wait for the ball isn't going to do anyone good. Um, I think he should be dropping into the midfield, um, collecting the ball and playing out wide to Al- Alan Say Maximum or uh, Miguel Almiron. Um, I'd say a, a second honorable mention uh, for worst player. Um, maybe Miguel. I think he was effective at times, um, but I feel like uh, out of the three attack, out of the attacking players, him and Joelinton just did not really um, provide a ton. Um, Miguel did a lot of defending again, which, as you know, if you listen to this pod, we are not keen on Miguel defending. Ooh. Oh, Elijah Craig, a small batch tonight, boys. Um, very good. Um, so that was what we're drinking tonight. Um, let's see. Best player. Um, this was actually a Pretty tough. Um, I my best player. I'm actually gonna go with Kieran Clark. A few key blocks, a few couple saves, and um, just was really involved. And honestly, when he was brought in as a third center back, I didn't really have a lot of faith in him just due to the fact that Paul Dummett wasn't bad as a third center back. Um, so you know you don't expect Kieran Clark to come in and really hold his own, and he did. Um, and he's played well. And this last match was. A testament to that. Fabian Scher also needs to be praised. He had a wonderful match as well. DeAndre Yedlin had a couple really good stops. There were some times where Adoy took advantage of him. But, I mean, Calum Hudson Adoy was just so good um, this match. It was insane. Um, and then, uh, of course, Martin Dubravka nearly had a clean sheet um, if it wasn't for just some piss poor defending on the DeAndre Yedlin, Fabian Scher side of the pitch, ironically. Um, that allowed Marcus Alonso to have a clear shot on goal. Um, so huh, let's see. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anyone else. I want to highlight. I want to say this looked like the most human match for the Longstaff brothers. Uh, they struggled a little bit. And like I said, when you have, uh, they, they kind of got easily diced in the midfield. So we'll see if, Anything changes um, when Isaac Hayden comes back, which he should be coming back soonish. I don't think it's this match, this next match, but it might be the next one after that. But um, the Longstaff brothers, they both have their defensive woes. And so playing them alongside each other exposes it sometime. You can only cover up 
um, for you know Sean Longstaff's defensive woes so much, and it's nothing bad. I mean, he's just like marking wise. I think he could be a little bit better, and Manny Longstaff as well. And that just comes with experience. We're looking at only like I think the 18th Premier League appearance for Sean Longstaff, and I mean, so I don't know. I don't think it's it should be expected that he's going to be a world class midfielder or defender. Uh, he's obviously on his way there in terms of being a world class midfielder. Um, but you know, he still has to work on some things, and defense is one of the things he has to work for, work on. And Matty Longstaff, this is his second ever Premier League uh, match, and he's had to go up against a, a midfield that cost more than him and the entire back line combined. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Jorginho and Kovacic, both expensive signings for Chelsea. Um, Moving on to some quotes, because (laughs) I'm not going to have any stats. I guess the only real stat, I believe, I can really provide for you guys. Uh, Newcastle have only five goals this season, which, of course, Tammy Abraham has more goals himself than Newcastle all season. Newcastle are sitting currently in 18th. Level on points with Southampton, with the goal differential of minus 9 versus Southampton's minus 7, which is the difference between 18th and 17th. Um, that 5-0 Leicester loss is looking kind of rough right now. Um, so let's get into some quotes from the managers. Um, I guess I have one big uh, Frank Lampard quote. Um, he uh, basically said, first of all, I, can, I have to give credit to Newcastle. You can see why they've got results this year, um, basically praising our formation and such. Um and said in the first half, we were a little safe and slow. There was not enough urgency or risk. And that was the message at halftime. And that's essentially how they won. I mean, they came out in the second half, uh, guns a-blazing, and just moved the ball a little bit quicker with pace and all that kind of stuff. So it was good good to hear um, like some praise from the opposing manager. Not all the time. We Honestly, the Newcastle haven't really been put in a position this year, besides the Tottenham win and the Manchester United win, to get any praise from any opposing managers. Because up until this point, in a loss, it didn't look like we had a tactical plan. And shout out to Steve Bruce, because, again, we had tactics. So, I gotta give him credit. Um, And he had questionable subs, um, Steve Bruce, uh, that made me question his tactical prowess again. Uh, Andy Carroll... Uh, coming on for, uh, I believe, Miguel Almiron, uh, Christian Atten, and Dwight Gale coming on. Just a lot of questionable subs. Um, but um, it kind of worked out in the end. Uh, he kind of had justification for them. He wants offense. And uh, he says that in his presser. I mean, uh, let's see. He says that. We had a tough start. We've had a run of games against teams that are going to be in and around us. First half, I thought we had enough quality. Second, we might have tired. The big thing is we have to find some goals. That was the the, the tone of the poll press conference. Um, we gave as good as we got. Uh, he says the long staffs are young, and they go up and down a little. There were young. There were some young players on the pitch. That's a terrible quote, by the way. That's He just says there were some young players on the pitch. I guess technically speaking, there were. I mean, uh, Calum Hudson-Odoi is young. Tammy Abraham's young. Mason Mount's young. I feel like Fayako Tomori is pretty young. Was he 21? Yeah, he's 21. Same age as me. Ooh. Uh, Kurt Zuma, of course, is pretty. So they they were, I guess, Kepa's young. I guess there were some young players on the pitch. But it's just a very weird quote from Steve Bruce, which, not surprised at all at that. Um, He, I mean, he believed Joel Lindsay got fouled on the build up to the goal. Um, Interesting on the Almiron sub, which he's immediately asked about. 
He says, overall, especially in the first half, we were excellent. We had a few tired bodies for St. Gucci Max, or he says, Allen. It's only his second game, and he is tired. <laughs> okay. Uh, Alamiron has been all over the place. We tried to freshen up in the second half, and the response from them was excellent. Just not quite good enough on a day. And shout out to me, because last season, I said Alamiron needs to watch how he paces himself in terms of uh, like how much he runs. And people were accusing me of saying... Um, do you want me to, do you, do you want, excuse me of saying, I want him to work less hard. And I'm not saying that. And I, I had to clarify, I wasn't saying that I was saying he needs to choose his spots of like when he's going to exert 110% versus when he's going to exert, you know, 70, 85%. And this is a perfect example of this. He's been subbed out multiple times in a row just due to the fact that he's tired because he's constantly chasing the ball and constantly chasing um, throughout the match. And that's just not healthy for him. So um, it's interesting that something I said earlier in the year has come to fruition once again. So yeah. Um, yeah. So that was Chelsea. Uh, a match that existed, not great, not bad. I mean, all you can do is move on and look forward. Um, Newcastle have a string of somewhat winnable games. I'd say Wolves is not that winnable. West Ham, Burnmouth, uh, Aston Villa up next. Um, I think you reckon Newcastle can pick up at least four points out of those next six game, the next four matches, which would put them in a decent position as they head into Man City, Sheffield United, Southampton, and Burnley, as well as Crystal Palace. All games that Newcastle could win, except for Man City. I mean, but you never know. That's another nationally televised one, BT Dubs. Um, but yeah, uh, that's all we got for Chelsea. Um, we're going to hop into some questions after this break. So I'll catch you on the flip side of this break. And we're back. Uh, so we're going to get into a little bit of questions. Um, we really only have, we have a, one in three questions, I guess. Uh, this is from the GOAT questionnaire, Trevor Mooney, who asked three things. One, is Greg the Bobby Wood of CHN Radio? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to interpret this, so I'm going to interpret it in the fact that like Bobby Wood is not in the picture for U.S. Men's National Team, like inconsistently in the picture. I don't know. If you're asking if Greg deserves rest, then yes, he does. And Bobby Wood deserves rest. That was a terrible answer to that question. I'm sorry, Trevor. I just, I don't know, man. I just that was that was a little bit. I mean, I like I don't know how Greg would be Bobby Wood. I mean, tweet at me, Trev. Let me know. I mean, Bobby Wood. I think Greg is more consistent than Bobby Wood. I think every time Greg comes on the podcast and leads a podcast, he brings his A game. He does whatever it takes. He does well. And Bobby Wood, on the other hand. Anytime I see him with the U.S. Men's National Team, it's like he's either really well, he either plays really well or he sucks. There's no in-between. Greg, I know, plays well all the time. He's solid, and we got to respect him for that. What is Greg's current blood alcohol content? Um, so at the time of recording this, it is actually probably 545 in uh in Hawaii, which means happy hour is coming to a close. So Greg's probably had about Three pina coladas, uh, Kahlua beers, which, by the way, if you are, if you want that Hawaii taste um, and you just can't afford to go to Hawaii, Kahlua is a beer. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. No, it's. That, that was just not right. There's this beer. 
I'm pretty sure it is it is Kahlua. I'm pretty sure that's the name of it. It's Kona. Okay, I'm stupid. All right, there's this beer, Kona, which is absolutely delicious, and it's brewed in Hawaii. It is all of the beers that I've had from Kona. Uh, this is this is now CHN Radio Beer Talk, which occurs every so often. Um, but Kona beer is a very good beer, um, based in Hawaii. You can find them in Publix if you're in the southeast. But I'm pretty sure if you go do like a upscale or boutique uh, beer and wine or kind of liquor store, they might have Kona there. It is delicious. Like their IPAs are smooth. Their golden ale is good. I mean, everything about Kona is delicious. Okay, so that being said, Greg's blood alcohol content is probably 0.18 right now, which is like pretty drunk. Greg's drunk. Greg is like drunk. Um, and let's see, finally, what shade of red is he by the time he returns? You guys know that emoji, the red face emoji, like that's like angry that that's Greg right now. Actually, I don't think Greg believes in sunscreen. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for CHN radio. Um, I said last week that I would launch the, the coming home, Newcastle, radio uh fifa career mode and i didn't because i just totally forgot that i was that i was going to be in syracuse this uh, this past weekend and i was in syracuse actually it's time for a segment a new segment um that you guys have requested and it's what did elijah do with his what did elijah do over the weekend and so here's the segment music elijah did something over the weekend elijah did stuff over the weekend, and we want to find out. All right, so this is what I did over the weekend. I went to Syracuse um, to do a little alumni event. It was a lot of fun. Syracuse football disappointed me, as they usually do, um, and um, I had a good time. Had some fun times reconnecting with friends, old fraternity brothers, all that good stuff, and some other friends as well. Um, so that's the quick TLDR of what I did this weekend. That being said, I did not have time to start the FIFA 20 uh, Newcastle career mode. I have my own personal one in which we've signed uh, Weston McKinney. But essentially, I'll explain it again for those who missed it on the last pod. We'll do a group um, career mode where I'll ask you guys, you know, where we're scouting for players, uh, where we're scouting for youth prospects, um, you know, the whole nine yards, what players we're signing, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, how do we improve the team? What formation we'll run? If you guys want to change the formation, we will. And then essentially we'll set the tactics and I think I'll sim all these matches. I think that's the fairest thing to do. If I played them myself, Newcastle would probably win the Premier League. And, you know, that's not fun. So we'll probably sim all these matches, and I'll post the results on a somewhat weekly basis. Um, we'll probably sim about five matches a week, I think, seems about right. Um, that seems seems pretty accurate. And then I'll, uh, I'll tweet out, you know, what the results were and, you know, where we are at the table, all that kind of stuff. So, um, guys, please um, interact with this. I think I will send out the initial tweet... Um, sometime this week um, on the CHN underscore radio account. So be sure to tune in to that. Um, other important news, I'm trying to think, is there anything else? No, um, be sure to tweet at Greg um, to drink a Kona. 
beer for me. Um, and if you aren't already following us on Twitter, be sure to follow us at CHN underscore radio and at coming home in UFC. Um, be sure to leave us a five star review so we can give away some dope stuff for you. And um, I think you guys are going to like what's going on in the next couple weeks. We have some exciting things coming um, your way. And I have to, I have to, hey, hands up. I have to admit, I've said that leading into the last two international breaks and nothing exciting has occurred. This time, I promise you, this next international break, something exciting will occur. I promise. Um, With that being said, um, I love you guys. And uh, you're going to be hearing the sounds of either Coming Home Newcastle, the song, or Blatant Races. It really depends on whether or not Greg sends me the... Okay, you're probably hearing it now already, so it's not even worth me talking about it yeah whatever have a good day fellas and ladies who are listening to this pod i went to bleed and races was on the 9th of june 1862 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberg's and she was heavy laden The way we went along Collingwood Street that's on the road to bleeding Oh! <laughs>